listening to Exploring Chiropractic, and this is Nathan Cashin. Welcome to another after-school special. I've been doing Exploring Chiropractic for over a year now, and I've managed to interview students from eight different chiropractic schools. I'm so excited. It's been such a journey. And yet, it wasn't enough for me. For some reason, I have to add to all the different projects I'm doing, and I wanted to start reaching out to chiropractors, to students, and forget about the studying, forget about the finals, let's talk about stuff other than school for a while. And in this episode, boy, I've, re- I've really done it this time, I've reached out to a medical doctor. And not just any medical doctor, but one who has a big problem with alternative medicines. His name is Dr. Mark Chrislip, and he has been a practicing infectious disease specialist in Portland, Oregon since 1990. And he is responsible for the Society for Science-Based Medicine, which is an online social group. But he also has, and I've been listening to this for years, The Quackcast, his podcast in which he reviews acupuncture, chiropractic, Reiki, homeopathy, all things alternative medicine, or as he likes to call them, supplements and complementary and alternative medicine, because then he can call it scams. His podcast is a three-time winner of the Best Health Podcast, and I just had to get a better idea about what it was about chiropractic that he had issues with. He was kind enough to join me via Skype for an interview a few months back, and we had a great conversation. He's really a nice guy. And in fact, we were talking for so long that I've decided I need to break this up into two episodes. So in this first episode, we're going to talk about what it is about chiropractic or alternative medicine that has him concerned. He admits his bias as an infectious disease doctor, and we talk about how he does it all, how he manages this online empire of blogs, podcasts, books for infectious disease, and everything. I'm sure you're going to love it. It might get under your skin a little bit. Please send me some comments. Let me know what you think. Go to the YouTube video to watch the full uh, video and send me messages on Facebook, Twitter. Let me know what you would have asked if you had the chance to interview a medical doctor. Here he is, Dr. Mark Chrislip, host of the QuackCast. What got you into infectious disease as a specialty? You know, I did it as a third-year medical fourth year medical student, the rotation I wanted to do was um, filled and I looked, I had to do something. So I'll try infectious diseases because at the time I was heading to family practice Uh and I did it and I was hooked. I mean, it was so much fun and the cases were so cool and the attendings uh, were just the greatest people uh, and they all share a characteristic that all ID doctors have, which is a love of the sound of their own voice. So I thought, this is the field for me. And so I never looked back. And so it's sort of one of those uh, rare epiphanies where you actually, I actually had a, a life-changing event. And uh, I've had a blast ever since. Almost by accident. Yeah, it was by accident. Well, what is it about chiropractic and other alternative medicine modalities that have, has you really concerned? Uh, basically, it, depending on the one and depending on what you're talking about, most are not based in reality and most don't work. 
And um, I think that patients and sick people should have therapies that are based in reality. And some things like, say, homeopathy are so far from reality that it boggles the mind or reeky. And it should be based on things that are shown to be effective because people's lives and health and their um, um, finances are dependent upon that. And so I think we have an obligation to give people medicine that works. The financial aspect is one that I, I don't think I heard much until listening to you and then also reading uh, Edzard Ernst's book, Trigger yeah. Treatment. And that definitely gave me a different perspective because in chiropractic we talk about, oh, you know, adjustments are so much cheaper than being on all of these prescriptions. But it really depends on how you look at it. An adjustment can, you know, 60 bucks a pop oftentimes is what people charge. Uh, Pun intended. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, compared to, you know, a bottle of ibuprofen or some other painkiller. Oh, yeah. And for serious illnesses, I mean, I bankrupt people all the time. Seriously. People come in without insurance. They have a serious infection that I have to treat. And by the time they're done, they're permanently bankrupted. And, you know, in the outpatient setting, you used, we're all used to seeing the results of minor problems. But if minor problems progress, they can lead to major problems, which devastate people financially, emotionally, uh, health, healthily. <laughs> <laughs> but these things are very expensive and they mount up very quickly. And you lose track when you're a provider as to just how much this stuff can cost people that they can't afford often. Even simple things. I, my brother didn't have insurance for a while and was having some pain in his upper left quadrant. Someone suggested maybe it's your spleen, maybe it's something else. And uh, so we went to the ER. They said, no, you just have the flu. Here's Tylenol. And the bill came back for like five, $600. Oh, yeah. You know, and just really, even that small amount, relative, relatively small amount, really hurt him. Yeah. Financially. Now, you do deal mostly with those more severe cases, right? Yeah, I'm mostly, yeah, I'm 99% inpatient medicine. Mm -hmm. I have very little outpatient medicine. So I obviously have a skewed perspective on, on healthcare. I only take care of very sick people in the hospital. Rarely, I don't have much of an outpatient practice for a variety of reasons. How do you think that, if, that skews your perspective on alternative medicine? Oh, yeah, it definitely does because I don't take care of those people who have the problems that no one can figure out and for which there are no therapies, like chronic fatigue syndromes, for example, which um, you know people suffer from. I see them occasionally, uh, but people with chronic problems that have minimally effective therapies and especially don't have a cause – I don't deal with those. And that's a whole realm of medicine that is extremely difficult um, to know how to treat and what to do. I see the occasional chronic fatigue patient, uh, but um, um, you know, it's not part of my existence. I, and then I see about infectious diseases, of course, is you find the bug, you kill it, the patient's better. You know, me find bug, me kill bug, me go home. It's a simple, <laughs> it's a simple job. So it does skew you because I'm used to figuring it out, fixing it, getting it better and moving on. And a lot of outpatient medicine is chronic illness, which I recognize, and I don't deal with that. So my skill set is suboptimal for treating chronic, unremitting, undiagnosable diseases. And it seems that that's what a lot of patients that go to alternative medicine therapies are trying to find a cure for. Because nothing, uh, so, nothing else has worked. 
Yeah, you know, I think there's as many reasons that people use alternative medicines as there are people. I mean, some people, because they have a, a problem that doesn't get better. Some people are just cantankerous contrarians who doesn't want the man to tell them what to do, you know, and so they do it that way. Or there's fear, like anti-vaccine people, uh, a complete misunderstanding of vaccines. So I don't, I, I actually have never figured out why, even though I read the literature, why people go seek alternative providers as a general rule, I can only speak as to why a patient goes to a given provider. This is pretty, um, pretty variable. Yeah, I started. I'm always surprised sometimes at the people who do. Are you? Why is that? I just think you know they don't have a problem that needs something. You know, they they are on therapy, but they add on other things that don't add much but expense. You know, they have an infection, so they take colloidal silver. That's no, not going to help you. It's just going to turn you blue. Um, and so um, things like that. Now, you you spend a lot of time in your podcast, at least, addressing chiropractic, acupuncture, um, the professions in general yeah. that are based around alternative medicine. In undergrad, I had a cold and went to the doctor, and I was given by a medical doctor a homeopathic drug. That kind of surprised me. It was surprising. <laughs> In the immortal words of Gag Hellfront, you know, doctors are just this guy, you know? I don't know if you're a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Uh, uh, no, I saw the movie, sorry. Uh, uh, if you ever get a chance, uh, download the BBC original television or radio show. Mm -hmm. It's hilarious. Uh, but d doctors are no different, unfortunately or fortunately, than anybody else. So they're as prone to all the problems that the non-physician is for alternative medicine. Unfortunately, medical school training does not teach you how to think. It teaches you what to think. And you're used to that. You're doing your basic science years, right? Mm -hmm. Are you totally inundated with an unbelievable amount of information that there's no way you're going to stuff it into your brain? Yeah. And yeah. anytime I raise my hand and ask the question, well, wait a minute, what about this? There's no time for that right now. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that doesn't end. And by the time you're done with your training, which is basically stuffing information into your brain and learning how to do your job, then you have your practice, which again, very time consuming. And, uh, and so people never get time to think critically about stuff. So a doctor uses homeopathy. The average physician is no better trained than anyone else for evaluating those things. So, yeah, that surprised me. That leads me to two questions. First of all, if it's then the doctor that perhaps is uneducated in a certain area, why, why address the profession as a whole? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why go after acupuncture or, or talk about... I don't know. It's just I find it <sighs> the guiding force for virtually every aspect of my life is to do what I find interesting. Mm -hmm. Now I don't know why I find these things interesting, but you know I tell my kids this: figure out what you enjoy and what you like, and run with it, and you'll be happier long run. So I just find the I thought the whole issue of skepticism and how people think badly and how people think and. Uh, why people think is just for me an interesting area. And people say, well, why don't you go after big pharma? Or why don't you talk about, uh, I got a recent um, email about, oh, you should uh, uh, write about uh, 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 physical therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just, it doesn't interest me. 
I don't know why. It's just I do the things that I find interesting. And I find those issues interesting. I get that. I agree. I find this idea of evidence-based medicine, wherever it may be, really fascinating. And when I read Trick or Treatment, as much as it is completely against acupuncture and homeopathy and you know these things that I'm learning a bit about, it fascinates me. The stories behind how... Oh, yeah how uh, clinical trials came about and, and as you mentioned, how we think and how we can be, how we can fool ourselves. Oh, yeah. It really is amazing. So if you don't, okay, so, so you're just talking in general terms about chiropractic because that's what's out there uh, rather than talking about specific practices or specific doctors that do specific treatments that may not have evidence behind them. Yeah. And you know, it's in for my mind, I've come to this conclusion over the time. It's not the person. It's the it's not the sin it's not the sinner, it's the sin. <laughs> mm. To quote the Pope. I think the Pope said that. Um I'm not it's it's not the individual doing something, it's the overall uh milieu that is changing because it doesn't matter if I make say, you know, Dr. Oz suddenly decides that uh, uh green coffee beans don't cause weight loss. It's the overall environment where people are not thinking critically about medicine or other important issues. Um, that's important. So I've, I've kind of drifted away from the person over the years. It's more the concepts that, that mm -hmm. I try and talk about. Is it the process of evaluating a treatment? Is that where, where you think a lot of doctors yeah. go wrong? So what is your process? Yeah, in, in understanding... Well, I only you start. I like to start at the basics, and so you know, what's the plausibility that something's going to work? Uh, you know, will this given antibiotic has efficacy in the test tube? So it should work for this weird infection I got. You know, and then you look for animal studies and clinical trials that show also efficacy. But for a lot of it, you like to know that it works at a fundamental level, that it makes sense at a fundamental level before you start applying it to people. And some things have make no sense at a fundamental level, like acupuncture or homeopathy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're not their fundamental basis is fantasy. It kind of depends on your on your perspective, your paradigm, because Reiki, and I've, I've taken courses in Reiki, and I'm, I've received my attunement. I do not practice Reiki. But for those who believe in energy, believe in this aura, believe in this spirit being that can be affected by another person's energy, there's plausibility. Yeah, but there is no energy. And if you could, I mean, I've always said, it's been pointed out by others, if we can pick up a the power of a of a uh, refrigerator light bulb, which is what the uh, uh, Voyager spacecraft is transmitting. So it's out past Pluto. It's giving out energy at the level of a refrigerator light bulb, and we can pick it out. Now, I'm a little biased that way. My undergrad degree all back in the last century was physics. Mm -hmm. So I spent my days you know, working on what energy is, and I'm nowhere near the knowledge base I had back then. But there is no energy, and there is no... Uh, energy that you or I can alter in each other. It does not exist. Now, this always gets down to how you know something works or not. And the problem with medicine is that it runs counterintuitive to everything we do every day. What's the best burger place in Portland? 
Oh, I haven't. I don't eat very many burgers, but I haven't found a good. Where do you like to go? Well, I mean, I like um, Little Big Burger. Okay. Why? Well, because I tried a bunch of different burgers over the years, and I think it's the best burger. Uh What's your favorite beer? Well, I like ESBs and IPAs. I like hoppy beers. I'm a Portlander. How do I know? Because I've tried a bunch of different beers, and it works for me. and that's how – what's my favorite shoes? I always wear Merrells. Why? Because mm. I've tried a bunch of other shoes and they're the most comfortable for my daily walk. And that's how we approach everything every day is what worked for us and what people tell us. And what's counterintuitive about all medicine is it cannot use that to determine what works for you. And there's so much that goes into fooling yourself that something is effective that um, you can't trust it. And I always say the three most dangerous words in medicine are in my experience mm-hmm. when it comes to therapeutic interventions because you can't trust yourself. How do, we, how do we control that or how do we prevent ourselves from fooling ourselves? Well, first is knowledge and understanding how you can fool yourself. And the other is, you know, that's why we have randomized, placebo-controlled, double-blind trials. So you take out all the potential bias that could possibly go into determining if something works. I mean, I love the acupuncture stuff is, I think, the most compelling uh, for that showing bias because once you remove any knowledge that the patient is getting acupuncture, then it works just as well as real acupuncture. So twirling toothpicks on the skin – if the patient thinks it's acupuncture, is the same as acupuncture mm. for relief of what was it? Knee pain or back pain? I think the German study was knee pain. So if twirling toothpicks works just as well as real acupuncture, then you know acupuncture does nothing. Hmm. If, if something is equal to a fake procedure, that doesn't work. But the act of inter not interfering. Oh God, I'm getting old. Uh, Having a relationship with a patient has innumerable effects beyond just what you do. Here's your prescription. You have to take your appendix out, whatever. I mean, I'm very aware of how much those social interactions are very important in changing perspective as to how you hurt. When you tell a patient you have an unusual disease and you're not certain and you just tell them, I'm not certain, but it's not cancer. Ah, you should see the relief on their face. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I just made right there a huge difference in how they're going to approach stuff. They know it's not cancer. If you're having an intervention with someone, you will always have lots of effects that are not non-specific effects. They're very important, and most of alternative medicine is having those non-specific effects and feeling better, and that's a good thing. It's just being done under false pretenses. Right. So we're we're talking about a form of the placebo effect. If what if the only benefit you get is the placebo effect. So if you're using acupuncture or homeopathy and the patient does get better, maybe it's only because of your interaction and having someone with confidence that makes them feel better Yeah. and that's why they get better. Yeah. Is that a bad thing? Well, in current medical practice, doing something specifically for placebo is considered to be unethical. So the key, one of the key concepts in medical ethics is the patient has to be informed as to what you're doing and the risks and the benefits. They're the boss. And if you're doing a placebo, if, if you're doing it for a placebo and you're not telling the patient up front, there's no effort, there's no sign, there's no ther- there's no evidence to show that X works. It's a, it's a worthless therapy, um, and I'm gonna do it anyway, which nobody ever does. Um, then you're doing placebo ethically. 
But if you're not doing it without informed consent, you're not doing it ethically. And placebo outside of clinical trials is considered unethical in modern medicine. Even because you have to lie. It's better. The ends don't justify the means. Is that the right one? Uh huh. Yeah. No, because you're not allowed to lie to your patient. And it, by omission I, or commission. I get that, and I'm a lousy liar. Yeah. And so when I think ahead, you know, yeah, I've I know that this treatment has been experienced to work, has been observed to work. Maybe not in a controlled trial, but yeah, a doctor does this, and the patients get better. The Latin doctors are really. Uh, a really nice guy, makes their patients feel really comfortable. I have to wonder, is that all that's going on? And could I tell the patient, you know, this, this therapy doesn't have an effect, but I'm going to do it anyway because you're going to feel better? That would probably be an ethical way to do it. Yeah, it would be interesting that they'd want to pay money for that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say I just spent an hour. You're doing something that doesn't work, and you're doing it anyway. And I'm giving you $120. I don't think that's going to go over real well. <laughs> but placebo medicine is not um, considered ethical in this society. You're not allowed to lie to your patients ever. By omission or commission. Is that a consensus of just a general consensus of doctors? Yeah, you know, there's if you go, it, uh, no, it's it's the official guidelines of ethics i mean i haven't if you go to the wikipedia page on medical ethics they go through the the main points of medical ethics one of which is that the patient is the boss and has to be informed about what you're doing um honestly you gotta tell them what you're gonna do and why and there's always i mean you always how you choose to tell people things always biases them and you have to be careful about that you know, if you tell them you have a 50% chance of dying, they're going to be a lot worse than if you say you have a 50% chance of living. Mm. I mean, how you phrase things is very important, and you have to do it honestly with people. But uh, those interactions have a lot of power uh, with people, and you have to be honest with people. And that's the hard part of medicine. Getting back to the uh, controlled trials and, and sham versus real treatments. We try to figure this out a lot in chiropractic. How can you do a sham adjustment? How could you double-blind a chiropractic treatment? I don't know. I haven't read on that one. I haven't read. Uh, yeah, that's not something that I have read in or on, so I can't answer that. Usually, clever people can come up with something that fools people, but I don't know if that's ever been invented. The best idea I have is to take a full term of students teach them sham adjustment with them thinking that it's real and then let them go out and practice and see what happens. But I don't think that would go over very well. Now, something similar was done, uh, which I've always found fascinating, was this guy, I forget his name, he was a palm reader mm. and he got this amazing results with all his palm reading. And then he started giving the opposite reading of everything he saw and got the exact same effects from the people he talked to. Who was that? <laughs> but I think that's. <laughs> but I always thought that was fascinating how you can convince people. You say he everything he saw, he told the opposite, and he got the same encouragement from his his uh, patients, victims. I don't know whatever word you'd use for someone who used to a polymer. Infectious disease doctor, you uh, I'm sure have studied a lot of microbiology. That's what I'm in right now, and. Oh. Can't wait to get over with it. Well, here, I'll let you know, in medical school, 
I hated microbiology. Yeah. So go figure. I do it for a living, kind <laughs> of. So what is your favorite microbe right now? Favorite? Yeah. It's one I can kill, <laughs> um, which is happening less and less. Now, I always say that if I was a superhero, my arch enemy would be Staph aureus. Mm. Um, because that's the one I try and kill most and have the most problems with professionally. I don't know if you call it, if you if it's my favorite because it pays my mortgage and, and my kids' college tuition, then staff orders would be my favorite. It's my least favorite because it caused the most pain and suffering of everything I see. Mm. If you had to limit yourself to one topic of debate, whether it's homeopathy, vaccines, Reiki, chiropractic, the existence of aliens, if you could only do one, what would you pick? Ah, so just a question. It actually would be, and probably this is not quite right, but uh, all the different cognitive biases. Okay, so focus that's more on the kind of, uh, on that process of fooling ourselves rather than the yeah. outcomes. If I had to pick one that has the most impact on that, I think people use the most and has the most literature on it, it would be acupuncture. Hmm. It's amazing. Of all, I have all these Google and PubMed alerts set up to send me updates and acupuncture always is heads and tails more than anything uh i think it's because china a lot of them are coming out of china and china is booming with medical and pseudo medical research so i'd probably pick acupuncture well that's it for part one of my interview with mark chrislip host of the quack cast but stay tuned for part two it's coming out in just a few days and i ask him whether he's actually ever been to a chiropractor or not we keep talking about the importance of risk versus benefit when talking about any type of treatment. A little more about the Society for Science-Based Medicine. I ask him what his favorite microbe is, and he tells us what advice he would give to a student pondering chiropractic school. In the meantime, find out more about Dr. Chrislip at edgydoc.com. Follow him on Facebook and Twitter, or look up The Quackcast on iTunes. Be sure to check out exploringchiropractic.com for more episodes and interviews of students across the globe. And you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter as well. I look forward to talking to you in the next episode of Exploring Chiropractic. Well, I keep Mr.